Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series Star Trek Discovery. Today, we're going to be talking about the 13th episode of season two of Star Trek Discovery titled Such Sweet Sorrow. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who Story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? I am glad to be back. I am glad and can't wait to talk about this. So um, I'm here, so I'm, I'm ready for it. And also down there in the Hattiesburg branch, Hattiesburg wing, Hattiesburg, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Hattiesburg station. <laughs> that, there you go. There you go. We have the trick story in Jonathan Shores. How you doing, man? Awesome, man. I am doing great. I have enjoyed the last two Three episodes because I think I've missed the podcast the past two. I think so, yeah. But they have been great. Um I'm can't wait to dive into this one and give my short trick of an opinion. <laughs> awesome. And also down there with you in Hattiesburg, we have the Stargate story and Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man? Doing great. I'm also excited to talk about this episode. It's we're 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 stepping back up. And I love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, well, first, before we get into the upcoming news or a review about this episode, like, what did you guys think of the past few episodes since we didn't have you on? Any lingering thoughts that you want to get out there to the Discussing Trek audience? Well, uh, you know, I think the past, no, not the last, not the, the previous episode that was reviewed, but like the two or three before it, I think they were just, they seemed like they were just stretching the story out some. And I felt like I could have been condensed. So we're we're finally, you know, we, we've hit the valley. Now we're getting back up the peak. And I'm very excited about that. Hmm. Um, well, seeing as how I've watched three now and hadn't talked about any of them, I kind of have a hard time separating each episode. But in all, one thing, I went and watched The Menagerie on. Uh, Yay. <laughs> yes, finally. Uh, so that made gave me a lot of clarity on what was going on. I I like that we're seeing a lot more enterprise. That that's that that was exciting to me. So kind of with Jeremy that it kind of stretched the story out a lot, and I kind of felt like they were kind of patching a lot of holes, but it was still good television. Yeah, well, production note, this episode that we're reviewing tonight, Such Sweet Sorrow, was originally supposed to have been one episode, but they had so much story to pack in. Uh, I think the the uh, showrunners went to CBS and asked them for one more episode so they can tell the full story. And that's what they did. They gave them an additional episode. So, um, yeah, yeah, this one definitely got stretched out a bit. But I will admit there hasn't been a lot of action in the last few, well, I take that back. There's been a lot of twists and turns. There's been oh, quite yeah. a few twists oh, and yeah. turns. So, I don't know. I'm I'm feeling fulfilled. Are we? Uh, see, well, here's. I hate time stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've said that. Back to this. Back to the time. <laughs> <laughs> but over, the whole again. <laughs> time crystal clean on thing, like it, it took me a lot of pause, rewind to kind of figure out a lot of it, but. It, so are we to believe that was Tyler's son or that was definitely uh Tanavik yeah. was definitely yeah, Tyler's son. They, yes. I thought yes. maybe they like accidentally like they thought that and they actually revealed it by accident and it really wasn't his son, but I guess it was. No, he flat out stated. Yeah. I must have missed that part. Yeah, he flat out stated that Ash was his father. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
always saw that as a easy way to clean up that storyline. You know, you have him aged up and maybe the next time you see him, he's an old man or whatever the case may be. You didn't have that. Oh, here's the baby somewhere around. Yeah. And, and Cal, you made an e- excellent point on the last episode that it frees basically Tyler and Laurel from having to worry, you know, them that him having grown up and found his own path. They don't have to worry about their child that they dropped off on this planet. So I, I think that's an excellent point. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek Discovery in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, I don't have any news. Uh, I don't think there is much Trek news right now. So did you guys have anything? We talked about the I guess the big thing is the uh, what we left behind coming to theaters, uh, DS9 documentary coming, coming to theaters, uh, next month. We kind of talked about that last episode, but do you guys have any other news or anything you want to talk about? Um, I saw on like one of my Google alerts thing that, um, Anson Mount apparently is all for a Captain Pike enterprise series. <laughs> yeah. So that would be, I think, awesome if that were to come true. Yeah. I, don't I don't know how likely that's going to be, but I know he is. He seems to be game for it. We briefly talked about this the last episode, and I think where I land is that while it would be cool, I think we already have too many things going in different directions that it might be one too many. You know, I, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I agree. I think you know, there's definitely a burnout thing that could possibly that could really happen with everything they have planned. Now, I think the decision that me and Kyle came to in the last episode, if they made it like a two hour feature length film, uh, chronicling maybe some of his voyages post, uh, discovery, that would be awesome. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We already like have the bridge series. created. So there's not a lot more to do. They just need to, <laughs> you know, maybe create a few more, um, places, uh, planets to visit. But I think they have everything in place to do that. So that would be awesome. Maybe it'll be our short tricks in between seasons. Maybe. That, I, I'm down Maybe. for that as well. Well, listen, I don't, guys, I am totally geeked out about this DS9 documentary. Like, <laughs> I have never been this excited about a documentary. Like, I'm going to be the first one at the theater. What? I'm going to be the first one in the line. I'm going to be the first one to buy the ticket, and I'm probably going to watch it four times that week. Wow. I am excited about that. I really, And all of the clips that they're going to show in that documentary will be uh, HD clips. Yeah, yeah. They, they remastered them into HD clips. And you so, know what, Jonathan? I am a hundred percent believing that you're actually going to do what you just said <laughs> because I have heard you talk for however long we've been doing this podcast about Star Trek, and I don't think I've ever heard you sound so like enthusiastic <laughs> and energetic about anything. If you could like look at his face when he's talking about this, it like lights up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> he is like a kid at Christmas. Man, DS Nine is just freaking awesome like i man you have no idea and one more thing i was watching orville the latest episode of orville and marina's how you say it? marina sardis sardis yeah that was awesome we're starting to see more and more trick characters actors in orville yeah it was Which, it was awesome seeing her but i did feel that episode was kind of weak <laughs> you know, they made us wait two weeks for like a really weak episode. I I thought it was weak, you know, but you know, I, 
I guess it was good. It was good. And maybe we can go into that in the after show or maybe on our Patreon or something. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I just kind of question, like, I would love to know all of the classic trick actors. Like, what is their preference? Like, is it Discovery or is it Oracle? Oh, don't be like that, man. There's no and need to separate. We can have both and be happy. <laughs> we don't see any of the classic trick actors in Discovery. I mean, you can't. It's like you can't do that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 guess I agree with Clarence. That's I guess just that'd could. be you know having like a 112 year old checkoff in Discovery when he's only like seven. Yeah, yeah. just that's too much fan service. That makes sense. That now, makes sense. as we get into this episode and we get this jump to the future, who knows if they'll make it 950 years in the future? Maybe they'll make it around the TNG Voyager or somewhere in there. Who knows? That will be freaking awesome. <laughs> But anyway, um, real quick, if you like this show and you want to show your support, please check check us out by subscribing to the YouTube as well as subscribing to the podcast. If you really like it, just tell a friend, you know, spread the word and help uh, make this show better by getting more people in here to congregate and talk about what we all know and love, Star Trek. Also, in a bit of feedback on YouTube, uh, somebody left a feedback on one of our YouTube videos uh, called after the snap. Now she says, uh, I'll just read what she has here. I'm going to shout out to this pot, to this channel on my podcast. And she has a podcast called after the snap. If you're listening, go check that out. She says, I have a small, but loyal audience. I've been listening to you guys for a couple of years. Now, one of the shows that inspired me to start my own, more people need to jump on the discussing trick bandwagon. Awesome. Awesome. awesome wow. Feedback. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And I guess if you guys don't have anything else, we are ready to get into our review of Such Sweet Sorrow. Let's do it. Star Trek Discovery Such Sweet Sorrow, Series 2, Episode 13, which aired April 11, 2019, directed by Olatunde Osasame, who also directed Point of Light, What's Past is Prologue, and The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. Goodbyes are in order as Michael Burnham and crew set the stage to make an unexpected sacrifice for the good of the Federation. Let's go around the horn and get the high level view from everybody. And let's start with Cal Jones. What do you think, man? Uh, once again, I'll sound like a broken record and say I absolutely love this. This, it, you know, gave me the fields. It made me curious as to what was coming next and there was a lot of action so there was something for everything that i wanted so i absolutely loved it awesome they're ticking all your boxes cool beans yes absolutely um jeremy barrow man what do you think about this episode high level view i'm i'm going to go with kyle on this i mean it was just probably one of the best episodes of the season i think wow Mm. and it, 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 I'm not a fan of cliffhangers, but it left me on a cliffhanger <laughs> that actually wanted me like I, I'm I'm ready for the next episode. I'm not like, why is this the cliffhanger? It's just like, I, okay, yes, let's go. <laughs> oh, my boy is crunk over there. That's what I'm I talking have, about. <laughs> I would probably not use that word, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> and Jonathan Shores, man, what do you think about this episode? Worst episode ever. Wait, are you? Huh? Sorry, what? That 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 thud you heard in the background was me punching Jonathan in the face. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> I was joking. This was actually a pretty great episode. I uh I really did enjoy it. Um, 
there was a couple of times seemed to like they kind of like beating a dead horse in it. But <laughs> you don't like the emotional stuff, do you? The, I, the, listen, <laughs> like for it to really like it, it gets you right there in the feels. And and but like after so long, then it kind of starts fading away. Then you're like, oh, get on, okay, yeah, let's go. <laughs> like I wanted to get me right there, and then let me think about it just a little bit, and then we continue. I'm not crying. But, you're crying. I'm not going to let that take away from this episode. It was a great episode. We got a lot from it. Uh, I expect a lot from the next episode. Uh, so all in all, it was awesome, man. Awesome. 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 And, and we got that glorious. Well, I don't want to get in. We'll get into that. But but I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for the they do this so well at Star Trek, like the major space battle scenes. They're rare, but when they happen, they're like amazing. And man, I'm a sucker for that. So that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah. As for me, man, I really enjoyed this episode. Definitely. Uh, I'll, I guess I should have been expecting the cliffhanger, but it felt weird because basically all of these episodes have been one continu- contiguous story. And I really didn't expect the overt next time on Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> and that's what it kind of felt like. It was fine. It was fine. But I really wasn't expecting that. And, you know, once you get the production note that this was supposed to be one episode and they ended up making it two uh, because of the the um, amount of information in the story. Yeah, it, it, it does make sense. And I do like the character. Uh, I feel like we got a, a bit of character development in here uh, and not and we'll talk about it as in when they were writing their letters and things like that. I felt like we saw a different side of the characters in a small sense. So I love that. And, you know, so overall, I really, really enjoyed the episode. So guys, if you have not seen the episode and we haven't spoiled it already (laughs) from here on out, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. So Pike initiates the self-destruct and the crew abandon Discovery. What are our thoughts on the initial decision to blow that sucker up? John, what do you think, man? Did we not expect this? Like, I <laughs> kind of figured that when they came over. Let's self-destruct Discovery. Like... Right then, I said, well, the sphere data is not going to allow you to. Like, was that not everybody else's first thought? Uh, sort of. Like, I, I, it's a very, especially in Voyager, it's a very Star Trek thing to blow up the ship to protect everything else. Because I think Janeway done it, tried to do it like at least four or five, at least once a season that, yeah. I, can, that I can remember. <laughs> so that seems to be quite the Starfleet thing to do. Like if all else fell, blow it up. We'll start all over. But um, I just I I never expected it to work. I, well, I, I didn't either because it's the name of the show. So they're going to keep it around one <laughs> way or another. <laughs> the show, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of agreeing with you guys. I didn't expect for the you know the ship to be you know the 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 AI or whatever's in the ship, the data core to to prevent it from being blown up. I didn't expect for it to be blown up, but I didn't expect that to keep it from being blown up. So, I, mean, I don't, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just want to say, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen them successfully self-destruct any ship. Yeah. 
in the whole series. They've started a couple of times, but they've never it never actually worked for yeah. whatever reason. And, and my thoughts were like, uh, can't we like think of other alternatives here? You know, this is your experimenting experimental spore jumping ship. We're just going to blow this sucker up. You maybe you should try like transferring the data to a shuttle pod or something first. I don't know. But the, the fact that, you know, let's blow it up. It, it was the right decision, but it seems like they would have at least shown maybe them trying to transfer it out to some other vessel or something first. Uh, that's my only thing. And come on, if this data is so smart, why did it allow 52% of itself to be transferred to, to Leland? Uh, it makes sense that it wouldn't allow discovery to be blown up, but it just feels weird when it allows some things to happen and some to not. I know it aids in, in, aids in the story and it has to happen for the story, but still just feels weird that this data, which I'm saying is a program is not data, um, can do these certain things. I don't know. Well, I mean, I understand that it, it like has self-preservation. Like that's, it's the only thing like it will prevent itself from being like eliminated permanently, but it can't, I mean, I'm okay with that. I just, you know, these people are so smart. Like, Really? We're just going to blow the ship up? Like, nobody thought about that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm kind of with you, Claris. Like, I, I, I expected a lot more unique like, ideas. Like, that was like Plan Z729, and right. there's like 400 different plans to go before that one. And I'm just not, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, and I just, I assumed that it was going to protect itself and not allow itself to be destroyed. But back to the download, would would it not be still in existence in a download format? Meaning it's yes, it was downloaded, but it was still fifty percent downloaded, still in existence. That's different from being blown up, destroyed. Yeah, but I think it'll be easier to destroy a shuttlecraft that refuses to be destroyed than a starship that refuses to be but, destroyed. But wouldn't like a download be kind of considered a clone? Like you know, it's close to the same thing, but it's not. Doesn't have a hundred percent of the original. Yeah, you know? and if if we are to get uber technical about it, a download is really a copy and delete. <laughs> so yeah, I don't. It can yeah. it can go away. I don't. I don't know. Probably probably never saw that as a threat as much as you know the total destruction of what's holding it in. And this this information has been transferred and downloaded like four times already, yeah. halfway partially. Like. Somewhere there's a trace still out there. I'm sure that's going to grow. So, and we don't know if this is the only shit that that's ever happened to. Yeah, and 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 like furthermore, like haven't the signs of that this data can think for itself already been shown? It freaking turned all the language on the ship uh, for the Universal Translator uh, to different languages when it first got on there. It d- didn't allow itself to be deleted. And right. they just think they can blow it up. Come on, guys. Come on. Well, I mean, that natural thought would be like, at least it can raise the shields on its own. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And it, yeah. It's not like it like defended itself and launched torpedo. Like all it did was raise the shields. And like, yeah. I think I could write a program to do that. <laughs> and um, does this all but confirm that this AI is what eventually becomes Zora and Calypso? Because that's my theory. No. Wait. Yeah, yeah. Mm. possibly Ex- explain. I mean, well, it's already showing they, they mentioned in the episode that it started starting to evolve as it, you know, uh, merges into discovery systems. They said that in the episode. So I just think uh, at some point, this is what is Zora. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I mean, the whole time I've been watching the past two episodes, like, uh, 
the only conclusion I've been coming up with is the Calypso episode. Like Discovery would end up end up there, but I never put together that the Sphere data will become Zora. I'm a hundred percent for it becoming Zora. Hundred percent. That means I'm right. What? Wait, that was your <laughs> okay. prediction. Say what now? That was your prediction. No, my prediction was that um, Calypso would somehow factor into this ah. season, and if that becomes that, then I become right. So, yeah. cheers. Well, so far, and I mean, it has so far all the short tracks. Well, I guess you were about to say that, Clarence. All the short tracks have been factoring in now. Yeah, well, other than the Harry Mud yeah, ones. Yeah, so. I was gonna say we're waiting on Harry Mud now. Well, I mean, that kind of was a like we had a Harry Mud episode, and then we had a short track. Didn't we have a Harry Mud? No. Harry Mud was last season. Yeah, it was not last this season. season. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know, well, let's talk a little bit about the evacuation itself. And I guess this would be pretty quick. Is this the first time we've seen evacuation corridors? Yes. What did you guys think of those? Freaking awesome, but totally <laughs> not Star Trek. Well, so what also, do you think they should have done? cheesy at the same time, but that's more graphics-wise than... Wow. I thought the graphics were great. I thought it was well, pretty freaking awesome. I mean, the, the graphics were great, but, you know, I'm just like watching these, you know... It's like these rope ladders that people buy, throw out their window, you know, and just kind of <laughs> throwing it out, and it's just assembling itself. I don't know. It just seemed to me like it was a great visual, but it just felt, I don't know, just felt kind of cheesy to me. So this is kind of how I felt about that. It was a great visual. I loved it. I loved the idea. But, like, anytime any Star Trek ship has been evacuated. It's been done by escape, escape pods, pods shuttlecrafts, or transport. But have we ever seen a ship-to-ship evacuation? And transporters would have been the way to do it. I didn't think about that. <laughs> why didn't Why didn't it just use transporters? Oh, and that look good. That that that, that, look, right, that look cool. But then it kind of takes me back to the uh, Enterprise episode when uh, Trip had to go uh, from little, ship to yeah, ship. Yeah, ship. <laughs> like, I didn't see, I didn't see warp bubbles like coming together. Or, you know, and then I was kind of worried. Like, what if one of the ships move like a fraction of an inch? Right. Those corridors are destroyed. Yeah. Well, number one. Number two. What if a ship showed up? What if one of Leland's ships like showed up out the blue? Well, they have long range sensors, but they did, they did do a good job of showing, uh, Dedmer parking the discovery next to the enterprise. So I don't know. I thought they were cool. I thought they were visually stunning. I do get the weirdness. It's, it's sort of like when you're a, a pirate and you just take the ladder to board the ship that you're about to, uh, ramsack, just lay it over right. the ships. So I'd, right. It, <sighs> and I would have felt better if it would have been. A actual docking. You know what I mean? Like the ship, like some part of Discovery actually docked with Enterprise. Right. And then there was like a hatch between it. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Which I know that's probably impossible with ships on that scale. But it just is. It it, 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 it seemed primitive. Right. I go go the opposite direction. I thought it looked stunning and I just, I just, in my head, I saw them as their bridge, you know, whoever's driving one basically and driving the other, they kind of sync up so and lock in with each other so that there isn't that, well, one's going, you know, warp one, two, you know, warp 2.1 and the other one's going warp two and then they, you know, off kilter each other. I just saw it as, you know, they synced the ships together and they had the two things connected and that was the docking. Yeah, I think it's a full stop. So, I don't know. I liked it. I mean, don't get me wrong. 
It was great. It was yeah. a great sequence. It was a great visual. It was a great idea. It was very pretty. It's just not what I would have expected. And I guess that's a problem. So let's talk about the Enterprise. I think in the, either the first or epi- second episode, we got the view of Spock's quarters and just maybe a small glimpse of what the corridors looked like. What what are our thoughts of the Enterprise's corridors and the bridge in this episode? And I'm going to give it to John because John just watched um, the Menagerie and you have that stark comparison in your head. What do you think? I think they're having a lot of trouble trying to make the Enterprise look advanced here, but still fit what we all know as Enterprise. And a, a very good example of that is when they jumped on the turbo lift and he had to hold a little handle to tell it to move. I love that. I, don't get me wrong. I love that. But did not not just seem like very much less advanced than Discovery? Yeah, Burnham looks like, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> but I, I, at the same time on Discovery, they don't, they're not jumping, in, going in a turbo lift and saying Dick Four. Like they're going in and hitting a button. But right. to me, a button is more advanced than a handle. But the handle does provide voice input. Yes, true. That's true. So. So, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> for you know? Yeah. But you can tell they're like trying to make this. Like putting lipstick on a pig, you know. Oh what I mean? no, don't say that. Don't use <laughs> that analogy. It was great, dude. It was it great. Is great. It is great, but it's still the Enterprise from sixty years ago. Cal Jones, man, what are your thoughts? You've seen some TOS. We've rooted. Yeah, TOS I've seen some time. TOS, and I thought it was a good marriage of old and new. You know, I I, I thought they kept elements that made you feel like this was. The Enterprise, but yet you acknowledge that it's not going to look like it did in the 1960s. And I, I'll go so far back as saying you look at Doctor Who uh, most recently with the episode Twice Upon a Time and we see the first Doctor's TARDIS. Yes, it is much more advanced than what it looked like in 1963, 64, 65. That being said, the budget is different. The years are different. So you 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 do update, but yet you keep the essence. And I think I think the Star Trek guys, the production designers, did a great job of making it feel, but yet you know, feel respect to the essence of what it was, but also making it look forward into the universe that they're in now. So that was my take. Jeremy, what are your thoughts, man? Well, I have very limited new experiences of the original series, so this may be kind of far off. But I felt like the deck in the movies, in the original Star Trek movies, seemed more advanced than what we saw here. Yeah, well, the movies don't get. Well, they're still out there, though. But, I mean, I just... What are you talking about in the Star Trek movies? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think they're ever the... this version of the Enterprise, though, so... No, 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 not the J.J. Abrams. I'm talking about like, no, no. the search... Yeah, even those are not this version of the Enterprise. Yeah, those are all different, too. Oh, well, then I'm just going to shut up because I really have nothing to call. <laughs> like, like I said, I haven't I, – I don't have a whole lot of experience with the original series, so I have almost really no frame of reference to compare the two. So answer it maybe this way. Did you like it? Yes, I liked it. It was pretty. And, you know, I envy Jeremy because he can appreciate it for what it is. 
And I don't think it's any, I think they did the best they could do with a situation. Like <sighs> it, it, it's, I mean, it is, it's beautiful. It works for the story that we're in. It works with the timeline they're trying to establish. But at, I mean, at the end of the day, I compare two ends from the sixties to this enterprise now. And I still see the same shit. I don't. Oh man. You know, my opinion is that it's a beautifully modern take on the show's original enterprise design. I frame it somewhere in between original TOS and as far as how they try to make it high tech, original TOS and the JJ Abrams movies. I think it very well fits within the discovery design, um, architecture framework design framework so i don't know when i look at discovery i just see more modern i don't know i love and it maybe man. that's, maybe that's just it. an aesthetic feeling for me like maybe i like the corners and squares more than the smooth roundness of the enterprise like discovery yeah. is more squared off and cornered and cut clean cut Enterprise is more rounded and smooth. Yeah. Does that make sense? But I'm speaking specifically of the bridge, but I see what you're saying about the, the, the ship itself uh, from the well, outside. No, even on the bridge, like the corners, the consoles and all that is more <laughs> like a rounded, smooth. But, but, if, if, if I can help Jonathan out here, the original series feels like it's made in the 60s. Because it's a very uh, '60s kind of aesthetic to the to well, what they really. felt as the future, whereas Discovery is a very modern feel for for Discovery with well, the, I, the new modern and just everything is you know clear lines. I think it's and, more simple for me. It's, it's like the difference between why I like Ford trucks more. I like Dodge. Like oh, a Ford you. truck is more squared <laughs> on the hood, and a right. Dodge is more rounded and to the point, and it just looks ugly to me. Right, it looks but, ugly. It doesn't look modern. And that's, I guess that's just a little me. You like, you like start things to be stark. You like them to be defined, well defined. And yeah, not, I like clean lines, yeah. squares, right. and you know. But you know what's funny? I I think I read somewhere was somebody saying, "Oh, the consoles are buttons. This is a blasphemy." I'm like, "What? Really? <laughs> this is not the same show." But I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was a faithful representation of a Discovery esque um, TOS bridge. So we can move on. But I I, I liked it. Well, but at the end of the day, they did great. They did great, and and I think it's the best they can do with what with what they have. And and uh, George O's comment about it being too much orange was pretty much moot because the orange is more red than orange. So you that's can't what even, I thought. I'm like, can they just uh, leave that out? <laughs> well, see, Jeremy and I have no appreciation for that because we're colorblind. So. Yeah, we're both colorblind. I knew it was a different color. I didn't know if it was orange. Or I didn't red notice or, it was a different color. Well, I noticed color, but I just went with her because I thought it was orange. Yeah, you have to look close to tell it even remotely looks orange it looks more red reddish orange it's the is the tos is it orange it's, it's or red orange. in it's the orange. mirror in universe red is orange there you go yeah. that it was orange to her either one of us now <laughs> but i give you this the enterprise uniforms look a lot more modern than the discovery uniforms yes i'll agree i'll agree i like the i like pike and his uh yeah that yeah. was awesome that's freaking cool so well, you know, well, let's talk about plan B. They try to blow it up. It don't work. Da, da, da. And they come up with this plan B. So now we're rebuilding the Red Angel suit and taking Discovery to the future on a one way trip. Bum, bum, bum. Is this a good plan? Cal Jones. 
it's the plan that they have and they're going with it. I don't know if it's a good one or not, but uh, it's the plan that they have. <sighs> Anybody else what have you, thoughts on this? If, I didn't mean to cut you off, Cal. No, I was just going to say, what, uh, what do you think? Do you think it was a good plan? Um, I think it is. Um, now, the fact that they're, I guess they find out that they can only, that it's a one-way trip. Um, very soon after that, uh, I didn't think it was a good plan to send her there by herself from the beginning. Um, but it, 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 again, like, because they haven't tried any other alternatives, like transfer data and blowing something else up, it, it was with the plan they were left with. So, I don't know. And couldn't they download the data into the new Red Angel suit and send it with her? I don't know. It's so, and that was kind of where I went with this, like, because they tried to do that. That's like what they were in the process of doing when her mom was here, was downloading data into the suit and sending the suit. So why not do that again? Yeah, like, really? <laughs> like, they're going through a whole lot. And number one. Number two, again, like, we knew blowing up this shit would work. I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I know they knew. So, like. Are we just now? I mean, somebody had to know. Hey, we could create a time suit. Like, is that just now coming up? Mm. Well, they like, just got the time crystal in the last episode, though. So that was a key factor—the time crystal that they got in the last episode. But they could have already had like a suit on the ready. Mm. Yeah, true. You know? Or at least the plans to, you know, okay, this is something we might have to do. So let's at least sketch this out. Like, what so was that their way- what was their plan for the time crystal? Like, they were just gonna blow the ship up with the crystal in it. Well, they didn't know they could get the time crystal until the red signals led them to Bereth, where Pike went on a journey to retrieve the time crystal. Right. But then we started this new episode, and we have a problem of this armada coming, and we have to get rid of the data. And we have a time crystal. Yeah, well, so I let's think, destroy the ship. I think they were trying to unlock it, but they couldn't figure it out. So I don't know. They should have built the suit when they first got the time crystal. You're right. I don't know. Right. <laughs> but the plan, and oh, I, I like the plan. I don't understand. So it's the plan that they have and they're going with it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to leave it there. I'm not going to make this bigger than it is. The plan just... Because just listening to you guys dissect it, it's like, oh, wow. I was really enjoying this, but damn, this isn't making any sense. <laughs> In all the years that I've known Jonathan, every time I get excited about something, I can always kind of count on him to help me pick it apart to where it's no longer enjoyable. I am not a picky but, but, person. But, but, <laughs> no, and I don't but think he's finish. being picky at all because everything that you guys are saying, in my opinion, is completely valid. Which but I think it's just in watching it, <laughs> you don't immediately pay attention to it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, my questions remain like, how do they know it's going to take them to the same point in time it took Mama Burnham? They don't really know that. They're kind of just winging it, you know. But I do love, oh, I love, 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 love that uh, Mama Burnham's logs continue to be a valuable resource as that's what she's using to learn to fly the the, uh, the Red Angel suit. So I love seeing her come back to kind of explain to her daughter how to travel to the future. So I, I, I thought that was great. And I just love that they tied in this short trick to the plan. Well, you know, that's what I was about to get into. Let's talk about the short trick tie-in. First, about Tilly's reaction to Zahia being the location of the next red signal. 
And also, like, do we even find it strange that she never talked to anyone that about this huge security risk of the <laughs> of um what is it? Let me get this right. Nihana Ikahali Kapo being on Discovery for a small window of time, sometime in the past. And I'm gonna get us to Jeremy first, man. What what do you think about the trip to Zahia? Well, first of all, let me say I loved her enthusiasm. Tilly's enthusiasm about everything because she's just she's just like a small child. She's so excited over everything, and it just it, you know it, I, I have a bit of a cold heart, and that just kind of make, it warms it up just a little bit. So I think that was incredible. But I, I was I also agree with you on the security risk. Like this this young girl snuck aboard this <laughs> highly advanced ship undetected for however amount, however long she was on the ship, and. Tilly, the one who wants to be a captain one day, didn't say anything to anybody. Hey, this may be a security risk in the future. Yeah. I mean, she didn't have to come out and say, I found this little girl snuck upon the ship, but she could have said, hey, there's a flaw in the system. Let's fix it so this doesn't happen again. Mm. Yeah, definitely felt out of place to me that she didn't mention it in all this time. You know, Um, does anybody else have any comments on? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to go the exact opposite direction. I thought that was... (laughs) ever bit a part of Captain Tilly for her not saying, because that sounds to me like something a captain would do is make that decision of, okay, no harm, no foul. And, you know, this person I may meet again one day and lo and behold, yes, she does. So yeah, I I like the fact she didn't say anything. Hmm. Hmm. So, so scientific question for John. Um, do we buy the fact that this dilithium incubator can generate as much power as a supernova? Do, do we buy that? I mean, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That sounds like a no. <laughs> He's digging. Hold on. <laughs> it's incubating. I'm okay with it because they had to have something. And I don't really, there's not a whole lot of references to the science of dilithium refinement through the Stern Trek. So you can't deny or accept, but is so this is what I know. A warp core explosion is not even a fragment of the amount of power you would get from a supernova. Mm. So, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It, it, yeah. It's such. It's such a. It's such a fringe concept that you really can't say it would work or would not because you have nothing in reference to compare it to. But I mean, I know dilithium is a powerful, powerful substance. Obviously, because we use it for warp cores, um, and whatever process she's using to refine it or how what is she recycling it yeah i mean it's possible yeah recrystallize yeah i mean it's possible and i mean think i mean just think like what would it take to recrystallize anything it would take an enormous amount of power yeah and you know i'll just back up what you just said but i think the power in um having this is the setup and i do think they set it up pretty well by the short trick by her be creating this first of its kind invention and, you know, uh, making her planet the most uh, geopolitical uh, planet in the Federation or whatever. Uh, 
I do love that. And they kind of set it up well in the short track. So I'm all for that, even though it's, you know, it's Star Trek. Most of the stuff is hocus pocus, but, um, I do, I do think they gave it good reasoning. I will say that I, I really, I really do uh, agree on that. But my most cherished part about, um, Queen Poe being on Discovery is that she puts George O in her freaking place. Oh, I loved it. I yeah, oh, that, was, that was wonderful. <laughs> that was just wonderful. Oh, man. And Giorgio didn't know how to respond because nobody talked to Giorgio like that. Nobody can just snap back at her like that. So she made Giorgio <laughs> squirm and nobody does that. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, 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 she was pretty. That was pretty good. That is someone comfortable in their own skin right there, that queen. And that's awesome. <laughs> So, uh, well, let's talk about goodbyes. And we have a cavalcade of goodbyes, a crap ton of them. Uh, does anyone have a favorite? I'll just throw that out there. Um, Jeremy, do you have a favorite of the goodbyes in this episode? Parting is such sweet to, sorrow. <laughs> I'm going to horribly mispronounce her name, but it's o- Okanoa? Okan- Okanoa? I know that's wrong. Uh, what's the code? The, the con officer. The one, I mean, not the con, not, not Dittmeyer, but the one who sits next to yeah, her. Yeah, what's the code? Um, I don't know. To me, that I mean, I liked them all, and I thought they were all kind of touching because you know they knew what they were getting into. But I don't know. Just knowing, you know, where she came from from previous episodes, the kind of life she had before she joined Starfleet, you know, I just thought that was more touching because she's making the ultimate sacrifice, coming from no tech to you know extremely high tech and losing her, and potentially losing losing her life because of it. Yeah, uh, Kyle. What about you, man? Any. Any other goodbyes? Uh, my favorite really... one for the goodbyes would be the conversation between Barnum and Amanda and Sarek. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really freaking touching about how she talks that, you know, they took her in when they didn't have to. And in spite of, you know, having their own son that they had to raise. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed that one as well. And, you know, you've men- you've mentioned before that um, the actress playing her does a great job of using her facial expressions to convey emotion, which it, this was another prime example of doing that. However, I really got to, you know, give kudos to the guy that played Sarek. The apology that he gave to me was the best part of that in you know that interaction because knowing that he is someone who is so logical that was big for him to say i'm sorry yeah definitely definitely yeah great freaking moment for sarek uh john do you have like a favorite of the goodbyes are we including all the goodbyes yeah let's let's talk about it let's kind of lump them all together um oh because my favorite was uh captain pikes oh man oh that was really good. What What do you think about, and I heard somebody else, uh, it may have been Alan Siler, our friend Alan Siler, talk about this. What do you think about him not really addressing Spock? He kind of just gave him a look and said there's no words and went on. Do you think that was sufficient? I do. Yes. Huh. I don't know. I, it, it felt like he barely said <laughs> anything to Spock, but then gave Burnham this longer, more seemingly heartfelt speech. And maybe it's not needed because Spock is half Vulcan. He you know, he can understand, you know. Yeah, and he's not going to get all involved in emotional goodbyes and, you know what I mean? Like, like it's Spock. He, and he just, yeah. I, 
I think they have like a, I'm not going to say private relationship because it kind of <laughs> dirties it all up, but understanding, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they, they just have like a understanding between them. That's just like outside of anything else and nothing, nothing really needs to be said. Um, Spock is not going to get all emotional and he's not going to have tears and he's, doesn't need to hear goodbye and all that. So that would have been just a waste of breath. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you, Jonathan. Very well said. So uh, maybe one of my favorites uh, was the Burnham Jojo. Uh, when Jojo's like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was great. But the one I want to talk about is Stamets and Culber because I do how oh, how yeah. they brought a finality kind of to their relationship. Culber, of course, saying that he's going to stay aboard the Enterprise. And Stamets even mentions before they make the decision to stay with um, Burnham, he says that he's going to go to the Vulcan Science Academy to, you know, maybe pick up that teaching job that he um, let go earlier this season. And they he bo- is not going to make it into Vulcan Science Academy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they had this, they both kind of said forward motion, you know, keep it going. And they kind of came to a understanding between themselves. And I thought that was pretty great. But, but I kind of got the feeling neither one of them wanted. That's not what they were intentionally going to no, say. They're, no, they're not done yet. Well, and I think they both wanted to say something totally different at that Agreed. time. Agreed. Yeah. And mm. it just didn't come out that way. Like, I thought, like, I really thought that was going to be a reunite moment. And I think Cobra really thought that. I think they both really thought yeah. that, but they just neither one of them could bring themselves. And I think Stanley just said, "Before I get turned down from him again, I'm just yeah. going to turn him down." Agreed. Right. Agreed. Yeah, I feel his pain on that one. <laughs> but and I mean, really, they could have been back together right then if this, yeah. he had shut up and let Cobra go. <laughs> and we have one more episode to go where they may still come back together. Yeah. So who knows? Well, they all dying together, aren't they? Did well, Cobra the, decide to stay with no, them? No. Yeah, Cobra did not. Cobra did not. So, I thought he was. I thought he was there with him. I don't think he was. Well, let's get into. No, like a, no, he wasn't in the group. I don't think. But let's get into that. So Tilly, of course, at first we think Burnham is going along, but Tilly uh, comes and talks to Burnham and find out a group is staying, and that's kind of what Pike was doing, addressing the group that was going to stay. Um, were we surprised that this group even volunteered to stay behind? Or is I mean, that's nope. pretty much. Not surprised at all? No. No. Mm. But I tell you what was kind of shocking, but kind of like an awesome dick move. <laughs> like everybody <laughs> stayed, then Pike was like, yeah, well, I'm going back to there. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did. Oh. See, I thought the ultimate move was uh, Tyler saying, uh, well, somebody's got to stay here. <laughs> oh, I think. Yeah. 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 That was a good one, too. But then when they want the transporter, oh, let's talk about the transporter real quick. But. First, let's talk about Tyler saying, uh, I got to do something. Do you trust me? So I think he's going to get Klingons to help in the war. I think that's what he's going to run off and do. Uh, but, 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 uh, what do we think about the wink that, uh, Pike gave George O as he was transporting it out? Ah, uh, that was, that was, that was fine. Oh, uh, I appreciated that. I did not like. <laughs> My mind has been so focused on this situation. <laughs> and like that one wink just threw me into overdrive on something totally different. So now here I am thinking about Mirror Universe and what was the old captain name? Uh, uh, Lark- Lorca. 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 Yeah. Like, I'm like, maybe Lorca's involved somehow. Maybe what? What? I didn't mm. see. Like, I just, I'm off. 
That made me crazy. Yeah, I, I read it as that, that just that he knew about her the whole time. That's how I read it. But how would you know? That's the problem. He's not a stupid man. Because and he's Pike, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that you know he, he's fully versed on the mirror universe, but I'm sure he figured it out. This is not the Giorgio I've read about. Yeah, but I mean, your first thought is not like if this person is not normal, they're from a mirror universe. Yeah, and but, maybe they've been to the mirror universe themselves, or just like a different. A different or a different mirror universe, even. Yeah, I mean, well, if you're a Starfleet captain, I don't know how classified the mirror universe information is, but it happened in the Enterprise era, uh, right. Enterprise show run. So if I'm pretty sure it is highly classified, but maybe the top ranking captain still get some privy to know about that. Right. It's like the Omega molecule. You know, <laughs> it's, it's you get the briefing, but you don't get all the details. Hmm. Oh, but you know what? He touched the crystal. Ah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So maybe he's seen some future that, or maybe he saw the past where she came from, right? And then put it together. Huh. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, just again, like besides the goodbyes, we had the letters, which um, I loved each and every one of them because I felt like it was a good character moment where it had nothing to do with the letter, it the person they were writing to, but the person that was doing the writing. And I really, yep. I really love that those character moments where we got to see a slightly, slightly different side of each of the, the remaining bridge members. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, but on top of that, I loved. Well, you said the, the different sides, but I kind of did like the fact that you, you saw, the other people that they were sending to because yes, it did add another side, but I. I I guess it's the same thing, maybe, that it just kind of broadened the character a little bit. So I, I guess I am just restating what you said in a different way. But So I'll just say I agree with you. Okay, well, I got a little bit mixed up because this is the part I was talking about a moment ago when you were talking about goodbyes. I was talking about the letters. And the, and I just had her name right here on tip of my tongue, too. But I thought they were all t- – I thought, I, thought I thought it was very relevant to yeah. the plot. Which, you know, really helps out a lot with these scenes because sometimes they, they throw them in and they mean nothing. But it, it did add an extra bit of depth to yeah. to to all these people. Yeah. You have you have Saru writing to Serana, Tilly to her mother, Awaskan to her family, Detmer to her best friend, Tazi, and Stamets to his sister. So I thought those were all pretty freaking awesome. Now, did anybody for one minute think Spock was going to is going to make it? To, to the new uh to the future is spock going or pretty much no right so either spock is going or nobody's going <laughs> or if they because do I mean, go we then we know they're coming back the or at least yeah spock is hmm. like either this plan is not going to work like they're not going to go at all or it's going to work in like you said cal they're going to come back but we, do we see... know hmm. go ahead i'm sorry well, I can say because we know. I mean, the same. It's been the same thing with Spock since we started. Like, because Spock is in future episodes, we know he survived. So, yeah. By him staying, that kind of eliminates the worry of whether or not everybody's going to die. Hmm. Yeah, I do remember in the, one of the next own previews, minus spoilers for the next episode, but he's out in a worker bee or something um, uh, while during the last battle. So maybe he gets left behind in a sense. Mm-hmm. Or he may be the one that says, I'll hold them off. Y'all go, y'all to go. Yeah, that wouldn't be logical. And I guess the last thing to talk about is maybe Reno's sacrifice. Um, 
What do we well, think let me take this one. So, Go for it, Cal. Do you mind if I take this one? Because I felt so bad watching her this episode when a night before when we were recording, <laughs> I'm saying, well, I just really don't like Janet Reno as because I, I keep calling her Janet Reno, not Jet Reno. <laughs> but uh, I really felt bad. So for the character of Jet Reno, I apologize. I felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else have thoughts? Uh, So, like, I got two things. Number one, I mean, is it a sacrifice or is she just seeing the future? Like, is it is this going to kill her or is she just going to see the future and it's going to? Uh, I think they don't know. Uh, of course, they made the comment about the chamber expanding or something. And she like opens something up and touches. I don't really well, know what's going on. In and scene. they said, you know, if they take it out of this chamber then the effects of the crystal would seep out and affect everybody. Like, would a closed door stop it? Mm, good point. <laughs> Who knows? And if so, why didn't they just throw Open the crystal in a room and close it? <laughs> yeah. I don't why know. did somebody have to stay? Um, second thing is, what is the... Oh, i kind of going back here. I, I don't fully understand the premonition Michael gets... Well, she touches the crystal and they're all on the Enterprise getting ready to destroy Discovery. And then it goes through the whole sequence where they're launching torpedoes at Discovery. And then yeah. come to find out it was just a premonition. And then it goes back and she said it's not going to work. She has that premonition twice. In addition to all the bridge members getting killed by Control Leland and reno has the same premonition right of the 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 torpedo getting lodged in the enterprise at the end so to me that makes it sound like the future is inevitable you know even even tilly i mean reno has the same the same vision i would expect it to be different right but we could think of it of maybe not I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say something. I don't know. I don't know. And then, and how did that premonition tell Burnham that the store and the discovery wouldn't work? Which I should have known already, but well, anyway. Well, maybe it was that just the first part. Like, since they didn't continue to try to destroy discovery and chose plan B, maybe it cut out that first part of the premonition gotcha. where, where everybody gets killed on a bridge. But now it's probably about the Enterprise getting destroyed with some torpedo getting lodged in the saucer. I don't know. I'm just anxious to see what happens next episode. I, that's, that's the only way I can really frame it. I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath, I guess is the phrase I'm going to use. Uh, so I got a question. Yeah, go for it. And Kyle, I want to ask you this question. All right, cool. So we know when Pike leaves, he's getting ready to discuss who's going to captain the discovery after they go, if they make it. And then it's a rules like, uh, let's table that for a moment. Cause it's not important. So who do you think will be the captain? Ooh, deep question. Um, I don't know. And I don't think we'll find out until next series because I don't think it will be Saru or it will be Barnum. I think I it's don't definitely either. Saru. There's already there's already there's a book that I haven't read the comic book the annual oh yeah it's called Captain yes, Saru right. but it it 
who knows? I have not read one word of it, so maybe that's not a for- foreshadowing of the next season. But I see, do- it can't be Saru because if it was going to be Saru, it wouldn't have been so much. They wouldn't have built so much around it. Like he'd have just said, it's rule, you're in charge. Well, maybe he just wanted to alleviate the tension by saying, you know, we're going to c- try to wing this for a minute. And I was know, hoping maybe Cal's theory would be Tilly. Mm, it ain't going to be Tilly. No, no, not yet. But not see, yet. we've still She's got, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong here, we still have a captain somewhere out there that they were going to meet. Remember? Uh, Vulcan correctly, if I remember correctly, yeah. they had to go pick him up, pick the captain up from Vulcan. Because we got uh, Pike because of all the things that were going on. He came to them. They didn't go to him. Yeah, well, I guess hmm. since they're going to the future, that's a moot point, maybe. <laughs> Jean-Luc Picard. Oh, <laughs> I'd quit watching. So, <laughs> oh, blasphemy. So, so let, let me ask this. Like, presumably, if they take Discovery into the future by ending the threat, wouldn't wouldn't the future be now sprawling and a lot of stuff to explore? So maybe that's kind of where they're going for next season? Because the destruction would never happen. Yes. And if destruction never happened, I mean, there would be technology in the future they go to, which means the AI could still get access to the data. The reason they're going to that future is because nothing exists technological, so therefore there's no AI that can get to the data. But but maybe Tyler is is going to be able to eradicate control. Maybe Tyler and uh, Giorgio and the rest of the Federation will be able to eradicate control, because I think that's a battle they're going to have to fight regardless, you know. Unless they do it in this final battle that we're seeing this, this season, uh, they're going to have to um, um, uh, fight control in some sense. They're going to trap it into some female officer and put her in a cube and she'll be the queen. (laughs) Send them off to the Delta Quadrant or something. I don't know. Fluidic space. (laughs) A few random observations. Commander Uno mentions that the Enterprise will no longer have holographic communications. Ever. (laughs) So I thought that was pretty funny. I say that they kind of like she said that and that's great, but it kind of felt like they forced that in there just to cover up the reason why we don't have holographic communications going forward. I mean, it makes sense with control section 31 and, and you know how he's exploited the holographic communications. It does make sense, but yeah, I do agree. They just wanted to stomp that foot right there and say, no, we're not destroying the enterprise. Right. Uh, we've only seen five of the red, five of the seven red signals. So two more to go. The Hawatha crash, uh, to recover Jet Reno, Terlesium, where we save the displaced World War Three civilization, Kaminar, where they liberate the Kelpian people, Bereth, where they retrieve the time crystal, and finally Zahia, where they attain a power source for the red angel suit. Are we going to see all seven red signals? It doesn't seem like it's enough time. For two more. Unless oh, both are in the same place. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. I don't know. I have a feeling like the seventh signal is going to be the one, like going to be the, obviously the final one we see, but the one that just kind of wraps everything together, like at the last possible minute. Hmm. Or maybe that'll be the cliffhanger for next episode. I hope not. Like, isn't <laughs> I this, hope not. I don't, isn't this next episode the there. finale? I think so. Yeah, yeah I don't. Is. I don't have the. I'm waiting on so many shows right now to come back. I don't have the energy to wait another year. You know, another year and a half for Star Trek to make more episodes. So they just need to to finish up clean so we can start all over next season. Hey, That's man, all I'm asking. We need the cliffhanger, man. 
No, I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, guys, thank you for joining me as always. And we're going to go around the horn and see what everybody's been working on podcast related or otherwise. And this will start with, with John and Jeremy down there. Jeremy, what have you been working on podcast related or otherwise? The third season of the Santa Clarita diet just came out on Netflix. And I don't know if anybody, I mean, it's a zombie comedy. I mean, I'm not a big walking dead fan, but this is like a, a funny uh, zombie comedy. So it, it's, it's pretty good if you're into that sort of thing. Um, and that's really the only new thing out that I can think of. Awesome sauce. Jonathan, podcast related or otherwise, man. Uh, I finished Umbrella Academy. Yay. Pissed you- off the way it ended. <laughs> oh, I agree. Like, <laughs> I, I liked it. So you would. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Harsh words. Thank, oh, you know, I'm just, once again, I'll take my victories where I can get them. <laughs> Um, I finished the first season of Hannah, which is a Amazon Prime original. Oh, was it good? I want to see that too. It is awesome. Oh, no, I spoilers. no spoilers. Yeah, I it's in my queue. <laughs> you should do it, man. You should do it. It's really <laughs> awesome. Um, and as I said earlier, I finally bit the bullet and watched the 2017 Power Ranger movie, which was um, surprisingly amazing. Awesome. And I'm going to say people out there listening, if you want to hear a review of the 2017 Power Rangers, Saban's Power Rangers movie, head on over to techpedition.com where we did a review of said movie. So, Kyle Jones, man, what have you been working on podcast related or otherwise? Uh, for this, I would point everyone to our podcast discussing comics. The most recent episode that is out right now, I believe it was episode number 30. Lee Shackelford, our other co-host from Discussing Who, and I were talking about the history of the original Captain Marvel. Went back all the way to the 30s talking about that. And for anyone who wants to know who the original Captain Marvel is, he's also known today as Shazam. And I am going to also jump on that Discussing Comics comics bandwagon and saying that we're going to have an upcoming review of just Fantastic Four in general. We're going to talk about some history and I'm going to say why I don't think the new movie was all that bad. <laughs> and I don't get a lot of hate for that. Oh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> now, now, now you've got me excited to record that. <laughs> and everybody needs to go out and see the DS9 documentary when it releases. Yes, we. Yeah. That we count down the days. And there will be a podcast yeah. about it. Dude, I and might I'll come down to Hattiesburg to watch that with you. Come on. <laughs> and then we'll do a podcast. We can do it on Discussing Trick. We can do it on J&J. We can do it on it all. <laughs> awesome <laughs> sauce. All right, guys. Well, thank everyone for joining. Once again, if you want to send in feedback, send it into fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at Discussing Trek on any of the social medias. Thank everyone for joining. And until next time, guys. Live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe.